the farming program with our equipped steel stockholders with Embrook Industrial Estate Grantham. For all your steel needs, call their friendly experts. Well, happy Lincolnshire Day. There's new rules around buying fertiliser coming into force today. Any farmers purchasing ammonium nitrate that falls into that threshold of 60% and above will have to provide photographic ID. And the 4x4s are back as another hair coursing season hits. We're taking dogs off people, they're getting kenneling costs, they're getting huge fines, they're getting cars seized. So I'm hoping that the impact of that on the hair coursing community will be seen, that Lincolnshire is not a soft touch. We'll examine the threats to UK food production and security from ever-rising input costs, celebrate Lincolnshire Day with the showground and, of course, check the markets, the weather and get some important and timely agronomy advice. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello, hope you've had a good week and Storm Agnes wasn't too unkind. I'm Steve Orchard. In the news this week, 19 projects developing automation and robotic technologies for the farming industry are to share £12.5 million in new government funding. Robots, drones and automated vehicles will receive funding as part of a bid to increase food productivity whilst enhancing sustainable farming practices. Farming Minister Mark Spencer announced the projects on Thursday as part of the Farming Innovation Programme, which is funded through DEFRA's Farming Futures Automation and Robotics Competition. What a mouthful. The largest ever annual rural crime survey has been launched to investigate the true level of crime affecting farmers and rural businesses, and it's important you have your say. The Countryside Alliance wants your views on policing and the impact rural crimes have on the wider community, as well as shaping the future of crime prevention. The survey is available to complete online at research.net slash r slash rc23.web until the 5th of November. And we're with the police, the NFU and Lincolnshire farmers who've been affected by rural crime later in the programme. And Clarkson star Caleb Cooper's educational bursary, working with the Royal Agricultural University, which we heard about a few months ago on the farming programme, has now opened to applications. The annual bursary will provide £3,000 to support a student in exploring different paths into agriculture. It's open to RAU undergraduates living in the UK and gives the applicant the opportunity of a work placement with Caleb himself or one of his industry partners. Right, to those new rules around fertiliser purchases, Lucy Hassel from Openfield is here to explain. Lucy, when you're buying certain fertilisers now, you're going to have to show photo ID. You have, yes. So earlier this year, the Home Office introduced new substances to the control of poisons and explosive precursors regulations, one of which was ammonium nitrate with a nitrogen content of 16% or above. Already we have a process in place to ensure this product is only purchased by bona fide users, but the government feel we need to take additional steps to detect any suspicious activity and ensure safe transactions. So yes, from the 1st of October this year, any farmers purchasing ammonium nitrate that falls into that threshold of 16% and above will have to provide photographic ID in the form of a passport, driving licence, gunshot licence, travel card, any other sort of legal document that provides the name and photo of the individual. Okay. And is this because fertiliser can be used for explosives? Yes, it can be used as an explosive, so it's it's there on the list. And 
obviously we don't want to into the wrong hands we've all seen the devastation it can cause so it's just additional steps that to make sure you know the safe use and and make sure we can detect anything suspicious and is this photo id going to be required even if the supplier knows you as a farmer yes it will have to be at point of sale so it will be a legal requirement for us you know we have to make sure this is in place so before we can proceed with any sale we will have to make sure we have that photo id in place and we have we have to keep that for 18 months and renew it every 18 months there'll be more uh, information on the open field website we'll be sending out a communication as well as as most supplies are and also on the gov.uk website there's plenty of information to reference on there as well lovely lucy thank you so much for joining us on the farming program this morning thank you for having me to all yellow bellies happy lincolnshire day for that's what it is today first of october and at the lincolnshire showground they're celebrating with some activities for the kids a little bit later this week Charity manager Rosie Crust, what have you got planned? Yeah, so we're at the Lincolnshire Agricultural Society, and we're a charity, and we're really passionate about our fantastic county. So we bring lots of school children onto the showground to basically celebrate its food production, the farming, the aviation, the culture, and the sport across the county. So we want to embark a little bit of our enthusiasm and passion onto the children. And what's actually happening, you're not celebrating on Lincolnshire Day, it's later in the week, Thursday and Friday. What's actually going to be happening at the showground? Yeah, so we have invited 732 students from 15 schools across Lincolnshire to come to the showground next Thursday and Friday. And basically we'll be providing an array of um, Lincolnshire themed learning activities and experiences for the children to get involved with. Children will be making Lincolnshire sausages, making Lincolnshire flag pizzas, using all locally sourced um, produce. There'll be cheese making. We've got sports taster sessions, so Lincoln City Foundation, um, Lincoln Rugby Club are coming. They'll be exploring Lincolnshire floodwaters um, and how we can contribute to a net zero world or carbon net zero world. Um, learning about renewable energy, rocket launching with the RAF. So we have collaborated with about 30 different exhibitors and businesses from across the county who are renowned in their specific areas who are basically coming to you know, impart a little bit of knowledge and just to inspire and enthuse the children about Lincolnshire and what they do. We've got, I mean, I think it's the best county in the country, but we're so lucky with everything that we've got and it's just to yeah, show them um, how great the county is. What kind of age group are we talking about with the kids? Um, so the children are uh, key stage two, so primary key stage two, age seven to 11 year olds. And are they going to learn about where their food comes from, amongst other things? Yeah, yeah. So when they'll be coming, we'll be, uh, there'll be an opportunity for them to meet farmers, to learn about the, the farming story, where their food comes from. And it's the whole journey, really, that they'll be, then be making sausages after meeting a pig farmer. They'll be learning where food comes from, but also wider than that, just general things about the county. Well, look, have a fantastic couple of days on Thursday and Friday. We're celebrating Lincolnshire Day today, but Rosie from the Lincolnshire Showground, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much and happy Lincolnshire Day. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. As we move into October from a wet September, let's have our weekly walk around the fields, a look at the crops and some important agronomy advice from crop doctor to Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. Morning, Sean. Yes, morning, Steve. 84.5 mil for me in September, much more for many out there, and another drip and a drop forecast today to start off October. But with the switch from that proper wet and windy stuff in the first half of the week to these warm, low 20s, much calmer, warmer, sunnier conditions towards the end of this week and to where we are now, we're starting to think that if it stays like this for a couple more days, you know, September's wet stuff could just have set us up for a cracking autumn drilling campaign. 
campaign. It'd be nice to get back to one of those Octobers that we used to have, where we'd have a few damp days in the month, a few sunny days, the rain was all spread out, because drilling's always been a challenge in October. As things cool down, it doesn't dry out as readily or as quickly as it does in September. But October's always been the month that we go drilling, you know? It's rarely been unachievable in October's weather over the years. A bit's always going to get mauled in, inevitably. But we do have the tools and the technology to deal with the old sort of October that we used to see in our youth. The trouble is, of course, there does now seem to be this new normal October where we either break all the rainfall records for the month in about 20 minutes on the second of the month, and then it takes the rest of October to dry out enough to think about drilling. And the day it is dry enough to drill is the day when the next record-breaking load of rain comes just to jigger us up all over again. Either that or it's damp and sticky out in the field like it is now. We can't go drilling, but we're taking solace in the fact that we're waiting for that good old blackgrass flush in the blackgrassy field anyway. And then we get that record-breaking rainfall around the 20th of the month like we did last year, and drilling anything after that was nigh on impossible. But the weather in October has always been a potential problem to us. It always will be a problem to us. But it's the severity and the frequency of any dodgy October weather that makes or breaks the drilling season. The trouble is, we just won't know any of that until we get there and we look back on this drilling season. And that's why I know that when it's fit to go, we're going to be off, black grassland or not. And there's nothing we can do about the weather. So planning is key once again. Just once in the last 30 years, by the way, it was too wet to drill in October and in the autumn, 2019. So as ever, calendar day is not the important thing when it comes to blackgrass. It's the seed dormancy and whether it's already flushed before you actually do go drilling. We're into October now, so it's not too early to go drilling winter wheat, winter barley. However, if you're on blackgrass land, then taking out a big old flush before you do drill will be your priority. And then getting a half decent seed bed in order to give those vital preems a fighting chance of doing a bit of good is the key to success. Little or no blackgrass had come through this time last year, if you remember. In fact, very little came through before most of the wheat and the barley was drilled into the middle of October. And the resulting levels of blackgrass that we saw last season were a testament to that. Remember, it's that flash of UV light from your cultivations which are going to trigger another flush of blackgrass to germinate. So if the drill is the first cultivation through your seedbed, getting your pre Pre-em on within 24 to 72 hours of that pass will be crucial. We have very good preems. We've got synmethylene, flufenicet, aclonifen, but they're not magic. They need all the help they can get. And you taking out a good minimum flush of 500 plants per square meter or so with glyphosate before you go drilling is a crucial part of that. Low dormancy of blackgrass seed this year, incidentally, just the opposite of last year. So the blackgrass is now starting to come through really well, particularly in the recently cultivated land, which has already have that UV flash. But there are many growers out there who are itching to get drilling on their black grassland and the heavier stuff where the black grass lives its best life. So do play these percentages and may God be with you. You know, when you do get drilling, remember to drill the seed at least 40 mil deep and get it well covered. It needs to be covered in order to be protected from the likes of flufenicet, pendimethylin, aclonifen, DFF, prosulfocarb, 
trialy because it's selectivity by depth protection. Just make sure the seeds are at a safe depth. Just watch the prevailing weather, the conditions following application as well. The clonifen and flufenicet uptake in particular dramatic when they get washed down to the seed. But you know, there is always the potential this time of year for a sharp shower to wash these preems down to that seed. And I know that quite often the visible bleaching effect that you'll get from DFF or clonifen, flufenicet, it'll be transient. The crop will grow out of it and there won't be any lasting effect, but it can be much more long lasting damage from direct contact onto exposed seeds from some of these herbicides. So speak to your advisor and pay a bit of attention to these seedbeds. Slugs popping up everywhere as well now, thanks to the wet conditions. So be alert to them, particularly after all seed rape or where you've had a history of slugs. Wet process pellets, probably your best option now. They'll stand a bit more weather. BYDV, Bali Yellow Dwarf Virus, still remains a big threat. So do be vigilant to bird cherry oat aphid in particular. Not hard to find this autumn already. The winged aphids out there now in volunteers and grasses. And use the BYDV Assist app if it helps. It'll calculate that all-important 170 growing day degrees from emergence of the crop. But again, only treat when the time comes if you can find aphids out there. Don't treat the rumour or the hearsay. Treat the aphid. All the indications are that barley yellow dwarf virus could just be a massive issue this autumn with the numbers that we're seeing and the numbers that are being trapped. So when we do get drilling, you're aiming to establish around 200, 225 plants a square metre with the target seed rate going up by 25 plants every seven days or so through October, ending up at about 300 as you hit November. Knowing your thousand grain weight, germination, potential field losses based upon the soil type, the seedbed conditions, the weed burden, slug risk, always important. So do your own sums. Whatever seed rate your neighbours are drilling at is absolutely irrelevant to you. Do your own numbers. All seed rate crops, good in parts, but absolutely awful in many areas. Cabbage stem flea beetle larvae showing up already in some of those good looking pieces as well. So this year could be as bad or even worse than 2019 for cabbage stem flea beetle and the pigeons and slugs beginning their autumn assault on what's left of the all seed rape too. Sugar beet fungicides that are still to go on out there, they want to be on sooner rather than later if you're going to get your money back. And as things turn colder, their efficacy and their usefulness is going to drop off anyway. So Cospera, Rust, Mildew, they'll all slow right down and their threat too decreases as conditions cool over the coming couple of weeks. So prioritise the backward crops with the smaller canopies and where you're going to late lift. So here we go then. Let's see what the next seven days. Bring. Thanks as ever, Sean. Still to come, we're with the police, Lincolnshire farmers and the NFU as the new hair coursing season hits. And we'll review the markets and get the week's weather. The Farming Programme with our equipped steel stockholders with Umbrook Industrial Estate Grantham, supplying the region for over 40 years. We all know it's been a turbulent few years in agriculture, lots of changes and challenges. How does the industry feel about the effects of COVID, Brexit and input costs? The results of the latest Virgin Money survey of the farming sector are in and Head of Agriculture Brian Richardson is here to take us through what is the latest in a series of economic surveys. Yes, this is the fourth year we've done this survey, so it's giving us some really good trends. And we do these surveys across our, our customer base right across the UK to really help us plan for the next 12 months. So really helpful. Um, I think last few years we've certainly seen COVID and, and Brexit uh, be the themes there. That seems to have largely you know, moved its way through, although we've still got over a third of farmers believe they're worse off because of Brexit, so that, that shouldn't be forgotten. 
but this year's results, I think, very much highlight the squeeze that's going on between uh, cost inflation and, and the prices farmers are receiving. And massive 82% of farmers believe higher input costs have not been uh, matched by farm gate prices. And that's following through there that 70% of farmers have said they may consider cutting production, which you know, shows the, the extent of the concern around this. That is quite a threat to UK food production, which is what the, the survey's throwing out in so many different respects, that two-thirds plus of farmers are actually considering cutting production, and some farmers are actively looking at leaving the industry altogether. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I think the, the numbers leaving the industry are, 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 or considering leaving the industry are, are fairly consistent with what we've seen in the previous two years. So in some ways, you, you've always got that challenge, haven't you, of people, I, I suppose, frankly, getting older and those who, who are looking to, to make a change anyway. But I think, you know, the concern around this and food security is important. And um, I think it's important that we make sure you know, farms are getting the support there. And uh, the, you know, the, the challenge over the cost of living crisis isn't falling unfairly, principally on farmers. I mean, the fallout from um, COVID seems to be receding a little bit, but Brexit still seems to be an issue, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think, you know, there's a very high proportion uh, coming through in the survey who uh, feel they'll be worse off in terms of support payments as a result of, of Brexit. Now, there's a number of, of reasons around, you know, support payments, but we've obviously got this new structure coming through that uh, people are still finding the way around, and, you know, we've only just had the latest round of SSI coming through. So it's it's not surprising. I think farmers are, are just challenged there. I mean, in England, obviously they've lost 35% of those uh, BPS payments. So how, how did they replace those? And I think that, that uncertainty and, and potential squeeze on income is also feeding through. So we're seeing a potential lower level of investment coming up in the next 12 months or people planning to invest in the next 12 months. Because investment in technology, for example, has actually been quite good in the last 12 months, but you're seeing that this is likely to tail off in the months to come. Yeah, I think overall investment, I think there's a suggestion there that, that uh, we may see less investment coming forward next year from the people who, who were in the survey. But the biggest proportion of those investing are looking at agricultural technology, uh, automation, etc. And that probably feeds through again to yeah, the tightness of labour in the system and, and just the challenge of getting the, the job done. And did the survey have anything to say about environmental matters? Yeah, again, uh, it's a focus for us as a business. We're, we're very keen to support customers through that net zero journey and the wider ESG considerations. And what the survey shows compared to the previous year is, is really no great level of progress there. So, we're still looking from the survey that about 50% of those farmers' surveys have undertaken a carbon audit. And um, one of the challenges around that, I think, is only half of those believe uh, those surveys have been really useful for their business. So I think there's, there's still work to do there and challenge to do, both by you know, the, the people undertaking the audits, making sure they are worthwhile by the farmer, but the farmer then getting real value for them and be able to take them through. And then that follows through that, yeah, there's a fairly consistent number of 
suppliers that, who are asking for those audit numbers. So not a big change year on year. And if you look at the political background and perhaps leading up to an election and where policy stands, that's perhaps not surprising. It's been, let's face it, a turbulent few years. There's been lots of changes in the agricultural industry, as in lots of other industries. Do we think that's going to continue or do we see anything easing off or things calming down at all? Or is it just going to continue with lots of changes carrying on? I, th- I think looking at this and looking at it against previous years, what, what this demonstrates really is just the resilience of farmers and, and farming generally. I think you know, they go out there, they do a, a fantastic job providing really value for money, excellent quality products, and they're going to generally keep doing that i think the challenge is you know whether it's brexit or or cost of living crisis now and the 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 squeeze on incomes it's a constant challenge and so they're always looking to to do things better and i think looking forward now i I am a little bit concerned that people are considering you know investing less because as an industry i think we need to keep moving forward keep looking at uh, investing in technology and then that leads through i think a lot of the work we've done with Net zero, etc., has shown where farmers are proactive in improving their productivity and, and their efficiencies, then that does lead through straight to you know, improving their, their carbon outputs, etc., and, and ultimately the bottom line. So, a lot of resilience in the industry, challenging time, I think, and people generally feeling worse off in, in the farming sector than they were a year ago with a squeeze in income, but resilience that, yeah, this is a job we do and we keep doing it. Absolutely, and long may we continue to do so. Brian, is there anywhere we can actually go to read the survey in full? Well, we'll be putting some information on our website, so have a look at our, our, our website in time, and then we'll over the next uh, month as we do further analysis on these results, we'll be sharing it out uh, through the normal channels, etc. All right, Brian, thank you for joining us on the Farming Programme once again. Thanks very much. Good to speak to you again. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. The autumn post-harvest can be a lovely time of year, but not for farmers who are victims of the annual scourge of hair coursing. Yes, the 4x4s are back, so we sent reporter Charlotte Lineker not in a 4x4 to find out more about the effects and what the police are doing to cut this scary and costly nuisance. I've just arrived at Roy Ward Farm in Leddenham where I'm meeting Andrew Ward. He's previously been the victim of hair causing and suffered injuries as a result. Well, there's two vehicles out at the back of the farm, probably a mile from the nearest road. So I went and approached the, these two vehicles and uh, asked them to leave. It was quite obvious what they were doing because there were dogs running around. And, uh, and they just straight away set off and ran over me. I managed to half get out the way, but they hit my leg and I ended up in a heap on the floor and I had ended up rupturing my cruciate ligament, so the impact of the car hitting me. So that obviously caused me a personal injury that I still have the effects of that injury today. He tells me it means a lot that he got justice. So I did actually eventually decide to go forward and try and find these people and saw the vehicle uh, in a local town. They were found, visited by the police. These people went to court. I had to do an ID parade and I picked out the offender and uh, got three years in prison. 
you know, we need more of that to happen because these people just think they can just go over your land and just do what they like and, and it just clearly is not right. The NFU County Advisor Rhonda Thompson tells me it's a much wider issue that's still a problem today. Once somebody's been onto your property, okay they've come and they've done hair coursing and then they've moved on, they've also cased out your house, your farm buildings, the machinery you've got, it makes you feel very, very vulnerable. Most people involved in hair coursing are also involved in organised crime. In August last year, new tactics and new legislation was introduced, which the police believe had a significant impact in reducing the number of incidents and crimes across the country. The legislation makes it an offence to go equipped for, search for or pursue hares with dogs and an offence to trespass with intent to search for or pursue hares with dogs. And despite being used to charge two men, PC Irving tells me that suspected hair coursers now seem to ditch items as police pull up. When we go after suspects, nine times out of ten they try and drop anything that can show that they're going equipped to hair course. So that includes things like thermal images, binoculars, they try and hide their mobile phones. We've got a monocular in here as well. Uh, so what we're doing is we're seizing these and if they get forfeited at court, is used them for our team. But we find binoculars hidden in fields, in trees, thrown all over the place. And are these expensive bits of equipment? Oh yeah, I mean these, Swarovski binoculars, uh, what, two and a half grand's worth of kit? Thermal images cost you two, two and a half thousand pounds. In total, during the hair coursing season last year, which runs from September to March, 32 arrests were made. A total of 40 dogs believed to be used for hair coursing were seized and 12 public notices were issued. Inspector Jason Baxter from Lincolnshire Police's Rural Crime Action Team tells me how they're hoping to continue tackling the issue. Since the inception of the team, success of uh, what we did last year and those court cases are still going through court, we're taking dogs off people, they're getting kenneling costs, they're getting huge fines, they're getting cars seized. So I'm hoping that the impact of that on the hair coursing community will be seen, that Lincolnshire is not a soft touch. If you come here, we'll find you and we'll arrest you and we'll put you before the courts. Lincolnshire police say not to approach anyone you suspect of hair coursing and to avoid putting yourself at risk. If you see hair coursing taking place, call 999 and know any vehicle descriptions or number plates if possible. And if you have any information that could help tackle hair coursing, call 101. Thank you, Charlotte. We'll no doubt talk more about that scourge of the countryside in the coming weeks. Lynx FM Farming. Market reports. Starting with livestock and from Mason's Rural at Louth Livestock Market, Henry Simpson. Morning, Henry. Good morning, Stephen. Welcome to another weekly roundup from the Louth Livestock Market, which saw the prime steers all in average 269.46 pence per kilo and the prime heifers all in average 267.67 pence per kilo. Top of the day with a prime steer was DL Larning Co. of Ownby to £1,607 per head or 279 pence per kilo. Top of the heifers was from Kev Chafer of Orby to £1,504 per head or 273 pence per kilo. Now up to the cattle and now into the sheep. We saw a larger offering compared to last with 354 forward. We saw a SQQ of 254.21 pence per kilo and an all-in average of 250.4 pence per kilo. Top of the day goes to TB French of Hallgate to £140 per head or to Ben and Pippa Williams to, of Mablethorpe to 278 pence per kilo. Now onto the Koyus which saw a large entry compared to last week and a good trade all round. With 142 forwards saw an average of £120.24 per head with top of the day going to Messrs Jackson of Osgoby to £160 per head. Just a handful of store lambs that were sold to vendors advantage this week which saw an average per head of £67.83 with the top of the price going to Water Limited of Ran Farm Park to £91. 
And just a reminder, we are selling again tomorrow, so we are taking entries for all prime and cool cows, as well as prime, cool and store sheep. Just as another reminder, on Friday, that is Friday the 6th of October, it is our first autumn special show and sale of suckle calves and store cattle. So please don't hesitate to contact the team with all inquiries. This has been Henry Simpson for the Mason Drill Team. Thank you. Thanks, Henry. To the grain markets now with some guide prices, Openfield's Alice Killam. Morning, Alice. Good morning, Steve. Markets have risen from recent lows, despite managed funds increasing their CBOT wheat and maize positions. Ukraine destroyed the Russian naval headquarters, which drew the expected response from Russia, who bombarded Ukrainian port infrastructure in Odessa and on the Danube. Three vessels loading grain and iron ore have loaded and left via the new Ukrainian humanitarian corridor without incident, with other trapped vessels also taking the opportunity to leave. There are unconfirmed reports that a deal has been agreed to ship up to 15 cargoes of Ukrainian maize to China, which will have to be loaded onto Panamax-sized vessels at Black Sea ports. Let's see if that happens. Eyes are now turning towards the Southern Hemisphere, where crop conditions are far from optimal. Australian wheat production is in the 24 to 25 million tonne range, which could be optimistic, unless they get their much needed rain. Argentine maize plantings are slow due to continued dryness, whilst dry weather in Brazil is delaying soya bean planting progress, which could have implications for their key safrina maize crop if it is planted late as a consequence, particularly with El Nino looming large. There has been a noticeable increase in wheat demand by major importers, and much will depend on the availability of wheat from Black Sea ports. Any escalation which caused a reduction in Russian exports would have a far greater impact. Meanwhile, solutions are being sought to increase the flow of Ukrainian grain via the Danube and the Romanian port of Constanza, including floating cranes and improved logistics. The cost of exporting Ukrainian goods via Baltic and Adriatic ports, however, is likely to be prohibitive. Whilst there appears to be the political will to assist with the flow of grain via the EU, individual countries may not allow it, if it is at the expense of their own local markets. There is talk of Ukraine setting up an export licensing system to control the flow, although details remain unclear. Malting barley premiums across the week are unchanged despite a complete lack of activity. The market is looking for direction, but at the same time, premiums continue to stay high over the feed barley base at around £70 per tonne. There is still uncertainty over the final European crop quality, which is keeping the market prices supported in the near term. After trading sideways, Matif Rapeseed found support and bounced €11.50 on Thursday night. Support has come from crude oil, which jumped over $2 a barrel on Wednesday, climbing above $96 a barrel to a fresh 10-month high. Some guide prices for this week, circa Friday morning. Feed wheat, October 180 to 190. Feb 185 to 195, May 190 to 195, with Group 1 milling premium still holding at around 60 to 70 pounds. Feed barley, October 155 to 165, December 160 to 170, and May 170 to 175. All seed rape, September 345 to 355, and December 355 to 365. As usual, please call for firm values. Thanks, Alice. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Bit of rain to start the week, but dry, calm and mild from Tuesday. Gusty southwesterlies today, light rain and mild with a high of 21, calmer and a couple of degrees cooler for Monday with heavy rain forecast later in the day. Midweek is calm and dry with patchy sun and highs in the mid-teens, warming up again for the end of the week, light southerlies and staying dry. 
Well, that's it for this week, but a quick reminder that it's the Sturton and Stowe Show on Saturday, a traditional village show with agricultural roots and classes for all, from arts and crafts to grain and roots. Entry night is this Wednesday, and there's all you need to know on their Facebook page. Back next Sunday from 7, I'm Steve Orchard. Until then, have a great week. The Farming Programme with Araquip Steel Stockholders with Embrook Industrial Estate Grantham. BSI ISO 9001 accredited.